Everybody, second one of these suckers. Um, I'm gonna have an Etsy store up soon, which is pretty exciting. I don't know how many t-shirts and sweatshirts to order though. Um, they're gonna be screen printed, just a small logo like on the sleeve, maybe some words on the back or some sort of fun symbols. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of just having like tan, sand colored and black. Uh, so I'm kind of gonna get a head count on it. If, you, if you'd be interested, let me know. Um, I'd probably sell the t-shirts for about 10 bucks and sweatshirts for 20 and I'll also have stickers up for a dollar a piece so yeah that's a way to support the show I know not everyone has money but of course if you don't want sweatshirts or stickers but you do still want to support the show honestly one dollar a month on patreon would be the biggest help ever um, just to kind of legitimize this and allow it so I can do this more often uh, lots of love everyone here's a show and in three two one back again with Thomas Hida. Yeah. How, how you doing, brother man? Oh, I'm doing quite well. Nice. I'm feeling really good about positive things moving forward. Yeah. I met, I hooked up with your friend Todd Boyle and we talked um, yesterday. No I, way. I, I actually went to his house, but I forgot my gear. I, oh, brought, no. I brought my laptop, but I had all this stuff turned down. Went and met him. Oh my gosh. Um, great person. We talked for an hour regardless. Absolutely. Um, good guy. Yeah. And we're going to do a show soon when I'm less of a, a fool. So wow. that's exciting. Well, I'm glad you guys had an organic chat even just off mic because that guy is a renegade videographer in the community and yeah. that is a powerful way that this guy is using the internet to leverage free speech free ideas more and more good information about what's happening in private meetings well or public meetings that people don't really public go to. but public that no one goes to it's the weirdest yeah. thing like i barely even watch the dumb debates but like all these things are like quote unquote public uh-huh but it's totally like that uh the amusing yourself to death thing where it's like the world isn't going toward 1987 it's going toward brave new world where people are so overwhelmed right. that they don't even pay attention like that's the mode of of making people tune out, you know? Sure. Yeah. And uh, we kind of cede a lot of control over what we want to look at to these tech companies that, you know, just continually gain information about what we want to look at. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how the algorithms on social media are kind of designed to give you kind of a steady release of anger. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, so... I don't remember where I was going with that. Well, it just makes you into more of who you are. Like if you sure. if, they, if, it, if you uh, keep like reacting to shit in an angry way, it'll keep showing you stuff that makes you react that right. way. Right. So I think the best way to do it is just to like curate it in a way. It's like okay, like I just maybe want some memes and right. maybe some yeah. news. But my, my friend Amber Beatty said the if you really want to support someone's post, give them any reaction other than like. Yeah, <laughs> and share honestly likes and all those. Well, reactions share is nothing. definitely huge. Share is like the way, or even a comment. But sure. Here's an idea that I actually had for like a business that would be super decently easy to like code or make or something. I think it'd be cool. It might exist. Mm. So um, you hook it like someone makes an account and then it checks with all your social media and then it shows you where on the spectrum your propaganda is coming from. And if it's like, oh, okay, right, right, right. All of your news is coming from the left side. It'd be like, hey, here are some decently unbiased right wing stuff that you could follow just to just to get a more equal balanced view. Oh, right on. Absolutely. I've seen tons of charts like that. And 
as a social studies educator that that's been my past work and that's this honestly the way that i have approached leadership as something i'm aspiring towards in a public sense yeah. is as a social studies educator like i think that those values and goals are completely aligned it's just i don't have to grade papers woohoo uh, yeah. <laughs> anymore i don't have to grade homework anymore and now i get to grade the eugene city council Nice. <laughs> and I get to teach Eugene and Oregonians because and the world with the, what the platform is that I've been starting to launch Humanity EUG. Um, I like it. Yeah. So you know, if you'll, I'll, I'll just take the floor for a minute and, and give my little spiel about that. This is a, a renegade news platform. Sounds maybe a little, a little even more aggressive than I want because okay. So my dad was a communications major at the University of Oregon. And uh, he went into broadcast in Japan, which is kind of how he built his name over there. I think he was on like billboards and stuff. He was he had a radio show, Billy Burger. Da, 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 da. I, I sound a lot Billy like Burger. him when I want to. Yeah, William Burger, dude. Nice. That's his name, dude. Nice. Billy Burger. Um, you great, didn't take great the Burger person. name. You could have been Thomas Burger. You know, I think <laughs> that I love Thomas Huda, but <laughs> I mean. I'm enough of a joke as a human Tommy being Berger. in the way that people think that I am anyway. It's like, you know, let's let's put some red meat on my last name. It's not going to help anything. That's so funny. Um, yeah, dude. So Humanity EUG, as you can tell, I like humor. You know, I, I like information that is quality. And l the quickest way that I ex can explain what it is, is it is a referendum against corporate mainstream media. Ooh. Yes. And that that's tell? not even a term that I hear often. Because of the way that we are so bifurcated as a society. We are so polarized. Nice, yeah. Yeah, bifurcated is cut into two. Polarized, yeah. And so, dude. You keep coming on here and using words, and I just like look at you. I'm well, like, they're not the exactly the same. <laughs> Think about if everything went to the polls, everybody would be extreme. Yeah. But bifurcated is just there's a rigid line in between mm -hmm. each other. But there half. are people on the line. Exactly. You know, I, I'm all over that line on many issues. Yeah. And so... Um, mainstream media is criticized by the right because they see CNN, MSNBC, the network cable, the network news like ABC, you know, uh, PBS, uh, those as being liberal, right? The liberal Which is mainstream such a weird media thing, like liberal and left aren't really the same thing. You can be liberal mm. and right wing, right? So why is it called hmm. liberal? Yeah. But then you even well, just called it liberal. Well, okay, because no. Okay, here's my thing. I'm not only am I non-binary, you can tell by the fingernail polish on me and just my general yeah. not give a fuck about being a man. Like being a man is not something I identify with. Sometimes I feel kind of like a man, yeah. but I don't feel You're like a spectrum. man. You're on a spectrum. You can be anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Get. So I'm not only non-binary, but I'm kind of anti-binary. Nice. And there is no binary that we use, whether it's conservative versus liberal, whether it's Democrat versus Republican, left versus right, you know, authoritarian versus, you know. Yeah, none so, of them are good. No. And so none of them can fully encompass how we want to actually be in a better world, right? Yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to say to people. So people on the right don't like mainstream media, and I understand why. People on the left, the far left, don't like corporate media, and I understand why. Yeah. Because the corporate media is pretty much, most mainstream media is corporate media, and most corporate media is mainstream media. So I just say, hey, I hate, the, I don't care for the stuff that's corporate and mainstream. Yeah. Because even if they do have my favorite people on as guests, or they do have, you know, reporters in the field doing journalism 
it's not that it has a bias towards the left or the right. It's that it has a corporate bias and it has a bias towards being as presentable as possible it's to sterile. a wide audience. It's yes. just weird. It's yes. like you're looking at these people. You're like, that can't be a genuine human being. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. That's what that's what I do think is the benefit of shows like like Rogan show or this. It's like watching that. You're like, cool. I know these guests like hearing someone talk uninterruptable. Well, Joe Rogan interrupts all the time. But, <laughs> you know, like talking like a spew of consciousness for like sure. three hours. You're like. Okay, you're not going to hide for sure. three hours, you know? But you know what else Joe Rogan does really well? My friend Dylan pointed out to me. A lot of a lot of what he does to get people to talk more is he'll, he'll just go like, wow, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. gosh. He does. Hey, you want to throw on that video of the monkey pooping on a guy? I you know, know. like but, he, he'll, he'll hard right turn into his goofy Joe Rogan I stuff. I know, which is a little... Dude like, loves monkeys. He loves them. He yeah. loves animal videos too much. Like, I mean, he will have right. smart people on there and he'll just get railroad. He will, he'll railroad the entire conversation into something all of the listeners have heard a dozen times. So it's like, <laughs> man, you right. sure about this one? But right. that's, I mean, he's, that's funny. He's great. I yeah. mean, he's got thousand, uh, over a thousand episodes. And so I've probably, I mean, I've probably watched, I don't know, five to 10. And that's oh. enough. That's <laughs> enough to know. So I'm not like a fan. Yeah. You know, I'm not like a regularly like, yo, I'm seeking out JRE. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, and he's smart to also include sometimes when there's like a really interesting moment. Like, I mean, like I'll watch the full Andrew Yang or the Elon Musk mm-hmm. or the Bernie was on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Tulsi so, Gabbard. Tulsi. Yeah. So I'll watch. Exactly. It, it comes down to the people that I like being on there and then. I, as a hopefully responsible consumer of media and information, have to like look at any source and be like, okay, yes. in what way was it biased? That's the cool thing is to right. like have have it out there, and then people can make their own judgments on whose side they agree with or what the, you know what they think about it. There you I go. think it's cool that he platforms people like Alex Jones and mm. um, people like Bernie. Like, mm. it'd be weird if if there's one person who can't possibly find a platform because it kind of legitimizes their point if everyone's like oh no don't give him a voice really that's kind of what's happening to trump if the fact that all this media is like keeps talking about trump then he gets to tell his uh his whatever people drinking his kool-aid like Mm. see they're 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 you know well you know legitimizing their point uh, can kind of have two connotations. What yes. you're saying, because what it can't do is actually make a falsehood into a legitimate good point, you know, like yeah. if, if it's yep. a lie. Yeah. So if there is a falsehood out there, factually wrong information, then that just can't. Like you should, you should not include, well, yeah, but like, so yeah, so like, let's say, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos is somebody who has, in the words of the progressive far left, like bullied trans people in his audience. You know, specifically chosen photos of them and then put them up and like, and like harass, made, I don't know, made. I don't know too much about that. Right, exactly. So what I, all I'm, all I'm saying is that, okay, I am a free speech person. I don't know if I'm a free speech absolutist, but I am a deeply free speech person. And, and, but like, at what point do we just never, I mean, sorry, at what point do we say, do we, do we cancel somebody? I, I, I rarely I'm at that point. Like, did you see that story with Andrew Yang and the SNL writer who mm-hmm. made a really stupid joke about uh, just an anti-Chinese sort of anti-Asian joke? And then they made another one. It was just like a stupid, cheap humor thing. But but Yang's response was he said, well, I sat down with my wife and we, we decided we wanted to watch this guy's comedy and see where he's coming from. Yeah. And what they believed was that 
Well, this guy is about to be on Saturday Night Live. He's a young comedian. This is a big opportunity for him. We don't want him to not have that role on the show anymore. And they said, well, you know, we just feel like he, he comedians plumb, they mine for humor in, uh, in murky and controversial, you know, shit. controversial territories where we need to laugh at things to pay attention to them sometimes. Yeah. Right. No, and that's a good point. And, you know, he slipped up and didn't make any, there was no humor there and it mm. was just ended up coming off kind of racist and not cool. <laughs> and so, but Yang even, you know, but if it was he funny, said would it not be racist? Like does funny. Mm. You know, and then Dude. it's like, okay, if a comedian's bad, are they racist? And if it's a good comedian, they're not. Well, Jerry Seinfeld tends to believe, and I actually respect his comedy a lot. He never makes fun of anyone, really. He, eh, what do you mean? No, he's well, he Rarely. tends to believe yeah. that. Well, he doesn't. Go, he's not very political. I'll give you that. Yeah. But he's observational, and he's he's very snarky about all sorts of behaviors, mostly, I'd say. But he says, you know, the audience is the ultimate determiner you know or whatever he says you know they 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 get to have the decide the the decision because if you go out there and you're michael richards his friend and you're at the laugh factory in california or whatever uh and you are bombing in front of people and they don't think you're funny well then it doesn't matter how you know then that's when he had his racist explosion do you remember that Dude, Michael Richards, the guy who played Kramer, he exploded on some some balcony um, patrons of his own comedy show who were heckling him, and he said he called them the N word. Whoa! You didn't hear about that? No. Oh man! Recently or while? Well, ago? Th- I mean, that's many nuts. many years ago. But I was I was probably in middle Cancel school, him. so you Cancel were probably him now. I mean, he's never been able to do anything hardly since. Uh, yeah. I mean, but but I mean, that's you never know sometimes with those sitcom actors because you wear out yourself you know by putting yourself on there like you know joey tribbiani is what people are going to see when they see matt leblanc and so you know from friends yeah okay i haven't seen that no no worries with the office people yeah right exactly and so you never know but but you know i don't think he was canceled i would say that that he just like fucked up seriously hard so my point is so here's the thing dave Chappelle makes jokes about trans people dave Chappelle's not a trans person uh but isn't that the whole joke in his thing? He's like, he's like, but I'm also not the N-word. Right. <laughs> like, that's his whole joke. He, he, made, like, he did you know? make a very good joke about it. And that the point, I think, in that joke, because the point he was making was like, you know, why can't I say the word faggot? He, yeah. he, you know, he wants to be able to say that word. Um, I hope people understand that I can say that word by, while quoting him. I hope. <laughs> but I'm a bisexual, uh, gender non-binary person, so I'm not a gay man which is kind of what that word is so it's like but but the the entire point it's that so you know i'm you're seeing your face to say a word if it's you i just don't understand that whole thing of like oh see it's me I, i'm allowed to say the word like you know if i just started saying you know what this I'm, room is a is a disgusting mess and you and i hate this place though that we're in right now yeah Tiger. okay right this is nasty why did you invite me here it smells like shit okay these are things I shouldn't say when I'm oh, in your space. You. Yeah, okay, I can see what you But you, you are in your bedroom you right now. You could say, hey, yeah, it's okay. a mess, dude. I'm sorry, man. I should have put this Buddha thing away. It's on the table. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just That's what extremes really you want to take it to, but it's in-group versus out-group. I, I, had, I had that. I explained the N-word in... <laughs> I have all these funny memories from high school, man, like junior or sophomore year of high school. I was in Japanese class 
And people were having some conversation, you know, while the teacher was doing one-on-one conferencing with students in the corner. And they were talking about, why is it okay to say the N-word if you're black? But, you know, but oh, and Hispanic people can, but, you know, other people Hispanic can't. people can say the N-word? Well, I mean, depends what? where you are. <laughs> depending on where you are and who you roll with, anyone can say the anyone N-word. Can't, yeah, <laughs> you okay, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, but there's my point. And then, like, colorism, you know, light skin, dark skin, whatever, you know. So, how, how do we really make these... Social lines, I th- I would say, have more discourse, have more dialogue, yeah. but also have more good education about the people involved and center the voices of the people. You know, it's about centering the voices of people. Let's say, for example, if I, I want to make documentaries, there's a great documentary called The N-Word. If I want to make a documentary called The F-Word about the word faggot, I probably shouldn't do that because I am... I have been called that word negatively. Ah, that's a bad example. The N-word. Wait, Let's say the mean? N-word. I should into, not make the N-word the part two documentary because yeah. I, I, I would be centering myself as the director in a mm. story that I really can't talk about. It's not yeah. my story. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to explore that topic, maybe I would get a lot of my friends involved who actually have you know, that kind of familiarity with it. They're part of that affinity group. And um, here's the thing about all these conversations is I think they're really important as long as people just don't fall on the conversations that they've heard had a million times. Mm. Like, it seems like whenever I hear people talk about these issues, it's like, I mean, sometimes people bring up really genuine things where I'm like, whoa, I literally never thought about it that way. But then other times people will say things that you're like. I know who you're quoting when you're saying that. Have you even looked into it? Or are you literally just yeah. regurgitating an argument that someone else made? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I think there's something to people like thinking for themselves. Like, is this oh. actually applicable? No, I think that's a good point. Well, I mean, we've talked a little bit about social media and, you know, simple, quick messages that uh, they they can resonate so much more and so much more quickly. And you can see that, oh, my friend likes AOC and she has this like line she keeps talking about, about the the billionaire class or whatever. Um, I like AOC. Me too. She's cool. just come out in, in favor of Bernie publicly. Nice. She, she, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib have all, uh, Rashida Tlaib, I think, they have all uh, endorsed yeah, Sanders. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Honestly, what were we just talking about before that? I don't know, but I want Bernie to win with Tulsi as his vice president. That'd be like my dream. You know That'd what? My realistic dream. That's what it should have been in 2016, Good <laughs> man. That's yeah. exactly what I was gunning for. That's what I discovered. Actually, I miss, I was going to say I discovered Tulsi Gabbard in 2015 in terms of how I when I came to know about her. It's actually not true. 2012, um, she was elected as the first Hindu woman or just the first Hindu in general in the United States Congress. Nice. Yeah, she didn't talk about that much. No, I didn't know. Right. Good for her. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so first Hindu woman in Congress, probably first Hindu, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, just think about <laughs> this is the way that barriers have to be broken in society. Think about this. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, you're a white male and I'm kind of a white kind of male. And so we have certain privileges. But it's such a weird thing to ever say you are. Like, could I say, well, you're an Asian man, not like like even me just saying the I word know, you man. are. You are. Me telling you what you are, dude, is a weird thing that I don't think people should do as often. You are. I will, I will concede on that. Right. I think you make a pretty decent point. But your reason to not like what me saying you are, <laughs> it has to derive from, you know, it can't just derive from wanting to throw away the white privilege. You know, you have to own the white privilege. 
You have to be you have to be aware of the white privilege yeah. and kind of own the fact that you know you don't want somebody telling you that you are, but at least no one's telling you you are blank with a gun in your face. You know, like yeah. by pulling you over for a routine traffic stop and you you know just happen to have a different uh, skin tone that makes you immediately seen as you are a but troublemaker. I'm not that person with the guns, so I'm curious because mm. I've been getting into this with multiple guests where I'm okay. like. You know, I don't know. Like, all right, I'm well, not. I'm not that person. Let me take that phrase yeah. and and critique that phrase. Let's remove race. You are that person. Okay. Sorry, no, yeah, go because for it. Because yeah. here's one way you are in terms of the climate we live in. Yeah, you drive a car, and I, I I'm going to be the real pretentious asshole who drives an electric vehicle <laughs> that can barely afford. By the way, man, yeah. um, you you bought. When's the last time you bought gas? Uh, a week ago. So you supported the fossil fuel industry, man. Yeah, I'm not. And so you, I don't you have the gun, man. No, you come on, dude. You're I'm burning not, the I'm fuel. Not, I'm not grinding against climate change, though. There you go. That's not an issue but, that I grind against. Right. So I, so I took it away from race. But my point, my point is then, okay, let's. If you can see that you're a little bit culpable for the environmental disaster, just like I'm a little bit. But culpable I'm not, for the, my actions are in line with my words. I'm not saying this is mm. a huge issue that I would not support. Right. And then I go like I'm like you know what I think it's real but I think people are working on it. Okay. And me driving a car has no effect. So well, part of what I'm trying to do is awaken people to the fact we all need to move faster, bolder, take it from the rhetoric and take it into action. Nice. Right. Like that, yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think that I like you a lot, and I think that you oh. are not racist. <laughs> kind. And so there we go. And so that's why I'm here. I'm talking, and we're enjoying each other's company. But, but I do, I do there say are some ways. Shit. There are some ways where you've probably contributed to racism before. Name it. Name a generality where a white, maybe not even me, but someone who. All right. Wow. Okay. This is something that. Okay. We'll give, give me like sixty seconds. I'll lay it out because you're gonna want to interrupt. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have a minute. You had Jolie Boa on. Yep. He's running for Lane County Commissioner. He didn't want to talk about it very much because he was kind of representing. He was Casa, on the clock. Yeah. Casa, Oregon. I didn't oh, he realize. was on the clock. He was on the clock, and right, I didn't so realize really that. Yeah. Right. Because you weren't doing it here. So anyway, <laughs> Jolie Boa. Uh, you know, how am I? How am I gonna? How can I set this up? You kind of <laughs> asked him. <laughs> If he knew about what was going on at the detention centers yeah. and the way you asked him, it was from a place of ignorance, yeah. but it was from a place of such ignorance that it was like, like he, he kind of had to be like, it kind of put him in a position where he had to correct you. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the goal. Though. But if he does, you know, he's going to be seen, he's going to be viewed as bitter because here's what happened for people who didn't hear it. Um, Everyone heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so like you kind of were introducing a new know. topic of conversation and you were like, what's going on with that stuff at the border? You got like kids like on concrete, with like the yeah. aluminum blankets and, you know, just like crazy stuff. What's going on with that? Is that still happening? Or because I haven't heard anything about that recently. And he was kind of silent. Obviously, I didn't see how he was responding to yeah. f- facially. But um, you were like. You're like, you haven't heard about that? Or have you heard about that? And it, it was like, it was like, you were, you were actually, you're talking to a guy who is, who is doing amazing work directing our country into a more positive, like a, a coalition of over a hundred organizations. This guy is on the front lines of fighting against these issues, mm-hmm. you know, since well before Trump was in charge, yeah. you know, since the Obama days when Obama deported so many people. And, and so you came you came at him uh like it it wasn't it wasn't racist like oh you know joel you're darker than me so you're inferior it was just 
Well, he, his face just didn't react at all. I'm like, oh, maybe that got fixed because I genuinely I hadn't heard about it for about a month before that, but it was huge. It Absolutely was huge. Still going on. And then I yeah. didn't hear about it for a month, and I asked him, and then I, I, like his face was just like mainstream. You don't know. Media. And exactly. I was like, okay, Jesus, because, man. Because because it's not just one detention center, and it's not just one incident. Mm. It's been an ongoing family separation policy. Um, he answered it's it well. In violation though. of yeah. Absolutely. He was like, hey, it's a war travesty. Absolutely. I'm like, cool. So, thank so, you. So okay. So let me just complete the point I'm trying to make is that like okay man you're that's a that's a moment where you're at least holding up someone who's holding the gun or something you know like you might not be holding the gun but like you know we can all do our part more to get educated um and i don't fault you for not having an excellent education on what's going on in current events that's what i'm trying to do is give people that nice trying to do that with humanity eug and you do it in a friendly way where you don't attack people a lot of the people i've spoken to about these sort of things as soon as i say something ignorant they're like you're a bad person for not knowing whereas you're like hey let's work on this and i'm like cool Right. No, I appreciate that. Well, I I thought you were talking about humanity, EG, where I do attack people. <laughs> That's so I mean, funny. like I talk, I'll talk as much shit about our current mayor as I want because she needs to internalize the critique and then work harder. Nice. That's why would if you were a coach, if you're a football coach in Northeastern Highlanders, and you send a quarterback out there and they just they just don't throw the ball, mm-hmm. all they do is hand it off and they get sacked because they won't throw the ball. Yeah. You're gonna yell at that person. <laughs> okay, critiquing people for actions, but not questions. Right. You don't critique people like me for asking a question well that often that's good i'm glad that you see that because then you incentivize people to to pull back from the conversation well i I see everybody as having the ability to grow in any in any respect like i'm (laughs) i had bad experiences at my college one of the very most, probably 10 most liberal college campuses in the country. Charlton? And very isolated. It's called Carlton College. Carlton. It's okay. <laughs> and, um, dude, Harvard rejects and all these kids who think they're the bomb um, and they're 18 to 22 years old, but they know everything about, you know, how the government should be run. And it's, it, you know, I want those people that are to the left of me to grow for sure. <laughs> And then I also am like, <laughs> there are all these people who have been like left behind and or they're just really, really miseducated on mm-hmm. race, gender, yeah. the climate, yeah. like, you know, freaking mental health, all these different issues that are so misunderstood. Yeah, <laughs> nerd. Dude, Andrew Yang just said on <laughs> the yeah. Dr. Oz show. I thought you got taking, it from him because he's been promoting that word, that terminology. He said neurologically atypical is the new norm. Oh, yeah. 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 Neurodivergent like versus neurotypical. I even think like typical has a bad connotation in our society. Like, oh, it's typical. So soft language can only move so fast. Like, I mean, right. it's 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 pretty. So I watched the whole Dan. Uh, who's the Carlin? The joke guy. Oh, George man. Carlin. George Carlin. Yeah, he oh, made a joke. The on, greatest comedian of all time. He has the He's, joke on soft terminology, right, okay. and I'm like, well, that's really convincing. And then I really thought of it. And I'm like, okay, I see the benefit of changing terminology, though. Mm. But I see both sides of it. Like, it's like at some point, it's like if anything, it hurts the people to not call it what it is because then they're not getting the help they need to call it like, oh, this is post-traumatic stress disorder instead of like mm. shell-shocked. Like you saw horrible things you need help. Right, 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 right. I don't oh, know. Oh, God, yeah, it's a rough one, PTSD. That's one of the ones that like, man, okay, can I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I do have PTSD and um, people experience it differently, but like that is an example of how, you know, I want to break down this dichotomy of like, are you doing well or are you doing poorly? Man, that's just not... That's not a binary I agree, I agree with. I could be doing so well in 90% of the things in life, 
but my brain is focused on the 10% that's negative and I had one of the worst months of my life. And then opposite experience could be also the case. I could feel, you know, you're a serotonin guy. You love (laughs) (laughs) talking about if someone were homeless, they could be, uh, you know, feeling great and just not having the kinds of things other people expect you to have in a happy life, but you have enough, you know, serotonin. So something is going on that makes you happy enough. And okay. PTSD is a situation where like, you know, I'm a person who is who experiences that, and I'm growing older, so I know better coping strategies. But, but that's the kind of thing where it's like I could be having the best day in the world, and then something happens that triggers trauma, like, and it could be something that feels so trivial, but you know your brain makes connections all the time. Mm-hmm. So like I could even see that glass of water being close to the edge of the table, and like just you drown sometime in life. You'd be like, man, <laughs> if I drown sometime, wait, can well, you drown and not die? Is that? Yeah, you can be semantically possible. Yeah, I mean, you're drowning and then someone like resuscitates you, or you're drowning. Like, I mean, I think people who almost drown get very. I mean, you've gotten down to the bottom of the pool and came up and you got scared shitless because you think you can't breathe and you get to the top. You're like, oh my god! Imagine if that was worse. Right. Imagine how traumatic that would be, especially if you were a kid and you experienced almost drowning. That would be Mm. traumatic. Like if you saw water, you'd be like, oh Oh, my god! Absolutely. I know tons of people who see the ocean or the lake and say, oh my gosh. Man, I, I sadly, sadly have known multiple people who have lost their children in the river, you know, the river or the ocean. And so, or, you know, do you remember when um, Connor Osland and Jack Harnsome cram the South Eugene high school class of 2011, two boys, they were on Mr. Axman is what, I I wonder if it's still called Mr. Axman over there. North Eugene changed it to a gender neutral term, Highlander hero pageant. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why I say anyway. We're just talking about whatever we're talking we're about. We're shooting the shit. You want, to see, you want to know the most controversial borderline? I don't think it's racist comment that oh, I made God. on social media. Um, <laughs> someone who I really like, I like his brand. He made a post um, about like women wearing hijabs where a girl who, who wears a hijab here in America was like, hmm. you know, like, I think it represents this, this, this. I don't think it represents the oppressiveness that's typically associated uh, with uh, hijabs and stuff, but I am still Muslim hmm. in America. And I, at like so late last night, I was reading that. And I'm like, you know, I listened to a little bit too much Sam Harris. And I'm like, bold words defending a religion that actively promotes you to beat your wife if she disobeys you. And then I quoted the part of the Quran that, that says those words almost verbatim. Did not go well. Oh, I believe that it didn't go well. But I'm like, I don't Some know. Some people really don't like when you talk about passages passages in islam that are still in the text i mean okay dude here's if they denounced <laughs> let's talk those about parts it. let's talk like, cool. about why that happens okay yep. dog okay can i can i do a tiny aside from when i was in college i wanted to make our acapella group diverse okay. you know why because we started essentially as the group of diversity okay there's a big difference between me coming in i was a junior i joined the group you know not even as a first year or anything you know the group is already established for a couple of years. Like, you know, I, here I am coming in trying to change things. Yeah. Well, but the reason is because there was essentially no diversity in the acapella groups at like school for such a long time. And there happened to be this really casual group of people and four people decided they were in a, they were in a residence hall, Musser Hall at Carlton College. And they were singing um, and they decided to start a group called Intertwining Melodies. And three of the four founding members were black. Um, and, and they said they focused a lot on R&B and gospel, but they also focused on like Disney songs and like fun songs that were like just the other acapella groups wouldn't touch. They were a little too uh, stick up their whatever about it. So <laughs> they're non-binary genital. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, a booty. Everyone's got one of them. 
Um, so, <laughs> and so here's my point, like good intentions can exist. The group became more white over time because people, because people didn't really have much consideration or care about that identity that was in place about the group at the beginning. Um, and the only reason I think about that is because it's just really hard over time to change things positively. Like, and, and, you know, let's say I believe in a world where let's, let's say I won't be around for this probably, frankly, but 2200, 2300, things move fast. Things move fast. 2300, um, the global Muslim community takes some kind of a democratic process or vote and decides to remove things that are offensive. Yeah. Let's think about if that happened. That you know? would be awesome. But, um, I mean, the problem with, with power and how it operates in society is that it's impossible to edit that document because nobody on earth is Allah or Muhammad. And isn't the whole part of it is that the Quran is inscrutable? Like you can't change it. It's like it's its word is law. Like that's the dogma of it all. I believe that. Yeah, I don't know. So it's like I'm like I don't know I don't that know. much about uh, Islamic history. So I wish I've I been listening to way too much uh, Majid and and okay. Sam Harris and stuff. But then and okay, like, we haven't addressed this part of it, Doug. If we're gonna have an Islam chat, why is it okay? It is true, absolutely true, that Islam has violent, um, you know, suggestions in its its holy book. Yeah. Is it the only major religion that has those? Absolutely not. And so why is it so especially critiqued? Because, you know, Old Testament versus New Testament, sure, Tor- Torah versus, you know, but these, all the Abrahamic religions have very gro- gruesome, grotesque, violence that, you know, running a knife through the belly of a pregnant woman. Yeah. That's in the Bible. Wow. I'm not. I, so then people always then you bring gotta, it to the Bible as defense. I'm like, I'm not defending the Bible either, uh, especially yeah, the Old Testament. But the people in the United States where we have the freedom to have this wonderful podcast here. Yeah. In, in the United States, Christians have immense power. Oh, yeah. Muslims have no power. I mean, in in terms of the way that people make decisions about mm-hmm. about um, what happens in this country, they just they effectively don't have very much power. Um, and so, why is it that they face this disproportionate amount of scrutiny over that kind of violence? Here's the one you know? biggest one that seems so obvious, and I don't even know how it it would be possibly defended because it's like that's pretty messed up. If Jesus did what Muhammad did in terms of marrying a six-year-old girl and consummating the marriage when she was nine, if Jesus fucked a nine-year-old. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty indefensible. How are you going to defend a prophet who fucks someone who's under 10? That's pretty nuts. I didn't know and about that. I, I literally did not know about that. And then so like passages of the Bible up. say you can be, beat your wife. Or well, I mean, the whole, the whole doctrine of Islam has, I mean, I... I I don't know if I even have much of a leg to stand on when I make these points, but yeah. but like, dude, promising what is it, twenty seven virgins in the afterlife? Seventy two. Seventy two. I think the entire that it's embedded like yeah. that that patriarchal conquest element oh, of it yeah, is too. embedded in the whole in the, in the whole framework. A lot of so I'm sorry, but but the, because that is was the case when it was written, and we still live, they still you know should, yeah, people, pray to that five cannot, times a day, yeah. and and that's the text that they use, dude. The Muslim world is responsible for so many excellent advances yes. in society that they're not given much credit for, and so that's why it's like it's like yeah, you want to cherry pick this little part. But 
okay, I guess it's not a little part because but if here's so the whole thing I, I'm getting with it. I don't yeah. think it's the people that are bad because I think 99% of the people are like, okay, well, let's, come on, come on, let's be reasonable. Those parts aren't good. But then there's the one part of every society, not just Islam, like Muslim societies that look for something that affirms their bad parts, like the, the sociopathic 1%. Mm. And they can be like, well, see, the Quran literally says it's okay for me to beat my wife. So, mm. you know, and like I can have slaves as long as they're not other than Muslims. Like right. the, the text allows for people to fall back on it. That right. Not even extremists, but like people who just are a little bit out there that all societies have, regardless of your faith. But most faith-based texts, like, some crazy person in Christianity, they're like, no, Jesus just says I'll feel this way, but I need to do good. Right. Like, I'm like, all right, you know, I don't know, man. It's it's a whole mess, but I think it's a weird it thing that you can't, a lot of people call you, immediately call you like xenophobic or uh, Islamophobic if you at least criticize a dogma. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And the, the common ground I would get with you on that is that, you know, I like Bill Maher a lot. And Bill Maher is... Uh, He's rude. Know, he, Absolutely. Yeah. He's I mean, a rude he's, man. He, he, he thoroughly discusses some of the heaviest and most untouched topics mm. in the media on a large platform on HBO where, I mean, it's, it's intentionally, you know, more vulgar than like, you know, cable TV broad, broader audience. And so, yes, he is rude. Um, I agree with you on that. But like... <sighs> Rudeness isn't something that should promulgate in Eugene, Oregon as much. And I think it is promulgating a lot being perpetuated, being done. Right. Mm -hmm. But in New York city and in LA, like those places are kind of like, they have a specific purpose in our country. (laughs) And like New York is a city of diversity, pizza and rudeness and art, you know, and LA is a city of cars, uh, sunshine, art, movies and rudeness like you know the yeah. different kind of rudeness yeah. it's like you, you we have the freedom though you don't have to be there mm-hmm. in this beautiful country and so you know it's it's kind of okay i think because because there's a difference between here's here's the problem with just saying he's rude and therefore you know some kind of dismissal or like oh i won't listen or i'm not interested it's like I'm looking for somebody to talk about the politics of our world in a way that is really brash. Nice. Yeah. And that's why AOC that. resonates. Yeah. But I met the dude, I met Bill Maher and, um, I posted a photo with him, uh, on my Facebook while I was a student at Carleton. And of course, like, you know, kind enough to get, you know, a couple hundred people who, you know, hit the like button, think that's cool. Thomas met Bill Maher. Then you get like the three or four that turn into five or six or 10 people who want to have a huge conversation about how Bill Maher is an Islamophobe and how dare I. And it's my fucking, just a photo on Facebook, not on a page of social justice, blah, blah, blah. It it was straight up just a picture on my Facebook profile. People want to have these arguments with me. But you have created your atmosphere as kind of a social justice space. You can Right, you know, fair, um, but so I would say has Bill Maher. Yeah, good social point. justice is, and and so has Dave Chappelle. Social justice as a term cannot be co-opted by any group. Nice, I can't, like that, it yeah. can't, it can't be women of color. It can't be white men. It can't be like privileged, you know, trust fund uh, people who use wheelchairs. It cannot be any group of people. Yeah, social justice is a concept we should all strive for. I like that. It's a good one. It yeah. has been co-opted by a very specific sect of people, though. Sure. Um, For good reasons. I guess I misspoke. I don't think he's rude. I think he's very egoic. Like, when he talks, <laughs> it's just, he's annoying for me to listen to. It's right. like, I think his humor is funny. I do think the things he touches on are funny. But he seems like someone who just gets butt hurt. 
really easily. And Fair. I, and that's why I stopped. I, I never really liked him, but that's like what really turned me off of uh, Ben. Yeah, he's petty. Ben, uh, what's that? Shapiro? Yeah, Ben Shapiro. And oh. so I'm like, I just listened to him like, oh my God, dude, you are like a little baby. If you someone attacks <laughs> you, what are you talking about? Uh, he also likes to throw in shitty takes on music. <laughs> ben Shapiro, yeah. I mean, gosh. Yeah. But the people like Ben Shapiro and I would say David Pakman and I would say... I like David Pakman And I would say bit. Kyle Kalinske. I, I'm, ta- I'm looking at them just as human beings who have, who have branded themselves effectively enough to have a big platform. Yeah. That's something I want to do. Nice. And so... Um, but is it just for me or is it for the city of Eugene or is it for, you know, responsible non-mainstream corporate journalism? You know, I don't know exactly. All I know is I'm mad hype about shit and you can tell, and Mm -hmm. I want to have a lot of people on board with it. Did you watch the debate last night? Um, I watched most of it, but I was kind of doing stuff during some of it really quick. I think Pacman's really cool, but he's sure. so pigeonholed into one side that I can't believe him because he never been like he never concedes points to the other side. Like I'm like, listen to him, he just rails. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, like at least say something about the other side just so I can give you like I can say, okay, now I believe you. If you only tell right. me one side of things, I can't trust you as a legitimate news source. Hmm. So, well, okay. I would say that there's room for so for example the young turks they've been they kind of laid the framework for all these people 2007 they started dave rubin yeah they yeah i mean dave rubin i remember watching him on that panel for a long time do you hate him do i hate so many people think he's there is not a single human being i hate really living living or dead no why would i yeah i got so little time on this earth you think i have time to spend hating people i don't know people people, i got so much time to love people i wish i had 100 years more for that i like it but, I, mean, I mean, do you think he's benefiting the conversation or do you think he's a grifter? Uh, well, Prager University is dishonest, you know, and Trump University was dishonest. I want to try to brand myself in a way that catches attention, but hopefully isn't too clickbaity nice. because like, you know, it's just if you name something a university, you know, there's thousands of institutions of higher education in this country. And so nobody, unless you're really in that world, and I am, but I don't know all the, all the names of all of them. Yeah. So you're tricking people into thinking you're a real college or university, yep. and that's called scamming them. Oh, yeah. Like that. So so just like I get that his his like whole idea about it is that, um, you know, colleges know and universities are. Is. Uh, it's just the name of his YouTube channel, I think, or one of no, them. No, he's like the, the Rubin Report. Yeah, he but has he a was, second he one. Was he was second. Oh, he has, I haven't heard about yeah, that. Yeah, he's got like because he was Young right. Turks, and now the Young Turks just hate him. Like, well, have, he hates them too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is weird. I to mean, have Anna especially just always feels. She she said Anna Kasparian said that he basically has just always been a, a poor work ethic kind of guy, a grifter, someone was, who gets changes his opinion based on who's paying him. Right, but I literally just mean like when when he was at the the Turks. Oh. He, he just didn't, he wasn't very, he didn't work very hard. He just didn't do his pre- preparation. He would show up and just, you know, kind of do his rambling, you know, talking head thing. And, you know, everybody else is trying to work really hard to uncover news stories. And yeah. so anyway, anyways, um, what, are you cares? Cares? That's, what are you working that's on? What are you working on? more individual. Like when we get too caught up in people, cause yeah, like people we're can't. not having a conversation about Glenn Beck or Bill O'Reilly anymore, no. but we're having the same stupid conversations. Good point. Yeah. And I want to have less stupid conversations. Less stupid. When are you starting right. your show? You know, I I filmed episode one hundred fifty one on Monday. What? Um, 
oh yeah you don't know about this uh-uh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that response i got that genuine response because i've been waiting to know how you would respond to this idea nice. okay you have done your shit because actually the funny thing is i was just critiquing somebody who maybe isn't very honest with the name of their thing but i actually use that tactic online too so i have to hold myself accountable mm. too like um yeah so i start i'm starting the podcast at episode 151 that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> nice First of all, yeah, because because yeah, I do what I want. Yeah. Second of all, that's Mew's number in Pokemon, and I'm a millennial, so that's of course I'm going to so start with Mew. Funny, dude. And third of all, a less stupid episode is not just what we're doing now, an audio podcast. Yeah. I'm defining it a little more broadly. So I'm picking 150 things that I've put on the internet, and I'm naming them episodes 1 through 150. Mm. And then so I'll have it in a document, so it's simple, and it'll be on the Instagram and you'll be able to see very beautifully because each episode also has a slightly different album cover. And so I've made uh, 500 album covers and That's I nuts. just haven't released any yet yeah. because this is, it's a marathon. It's not a political campaign is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And How's as Talks you can tell Tiger about me. Truthful name? Oh, so truthful. <laughs> so truthful. Every, it doesn't, every, everyone's like, you need to get pigeonholed more or like find a vertical. I'm like, no, because then, then you are like, I think less stupid is open and truthful too, though. Word. I like that, man. Thank you. Well, I mean, all it is, is, is it's whatever it needs to be in the moment. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I can ask somebody what's one way we could all be less stupid. Hmm. Question the most core values that you have from a non-judgmental point of view. All right. Like, I guess judge from another, I, I like, don't, don't attach them to yourself, but be like, why do I think, um, I need to eat three meals a day? Why right. do I think a man acts like this? Like it's which I assume something you've done. Right. Why do, you know, like, like ask you these core things, like things that should be like, oh no, that's known. You shouldn't mm. even ever question that. Question those things. Right. That's okay. my main way of being less stupid. I think that that's a really, really intelligent thing. Um, it makes me want to talk about the democratic debate, but also um, being pro-choice. For me, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brain always wants to go different directions. It's yeah. great. So when I was in middle school, dude, I knew from my life, you know, uh, upbringing that women have the right to choose and that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I was like really deeply thinking about it and I was like, wow. The way that life comes into the world is through female yeah. birth, like in the in for Homo sapiens. So, gosh, at what point can we really say you know a life a life needs to be protected by under the law? Like that's a hard thing to say that the government has chosen a line there, you know. But I think I think you answered the easy question of oh should women get the choice or not get the choice? Obviously women should get the choice. The hard question mm, is is it obvious though? It's under attack uh, in this country. It should be it should be obvious. Right. But the the non obvious question that is really difficult to answer is yeah because I don't think a, you should be able to kill a two year old. I don't of think course. you should be able to kill it right before it comes out. Of so course. So at what point can you not kill it? Right. At what point did the cells actually right. become a conscious? Well, you? well, I've always been very pro-life, but I mean, sorry, pro-choice, but I've always, <laughs> sound but bite, in a way, sound but in a way, if I wanted to find it how I want to, yeah. I am, I'm alive, dude. I choose yeah. to be alive every single day. So I'm pro my own life mm -hmm. and I'm pro as many lives as around me as possible. And pro-life has got to include the people who are pregnant. Yeah. I'm pro their lives nice. and I'm pro them knowing what's best for their lives and planning and the, you want when to be a parent. And you want to be best for the baby's life. Yes. So... 
I went on Google and I went on Google Images. Mm-hmm. Where are we at on time? Uh, 45. We're at 1 p.m. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Um, so I went on Google Images and I was like, well, I mean, I, I believe in challenging myself because I've only ever been exposed to the liberal point of view on things. And so I literally, I literally just Googled um, like uh, aborted fetuses on, on Google Images. Yeah. yeah. I was in sixth grade, man, okay, or seventh yeah. grade. Yeah. And Dark. I was ready to be like, yo, I was once one of these, you know, straight up. We always say we have to recognize that. You were a fetus. Yes. You weren't an aborted fetus. Wait, do you watch it so Sorry, I was like in Charlie, utero. Where you're like, I was, I was a fetus. Like, you yes. know, that's something I love is like, you know, you know, see this Buddha on the table here? Mm-hmm. All of us were this size at some point by mass. Yeah. Or by or by uh, volume. Either way. <laughs> We've we were both that size we're, at one point. Yeah, you know? that many the cells. fact that we got to our size, there was a specific yes. moment in that in time when we were that size. So it's kinda cool to think about how I've grown physically and then also how you know, hopefully we've, we've mentally grown consciously. Yeah. So that's why I was like, yo, I want to challenge my own core belief and look nice. at these images and see if, you know, I still believe that people should have the right. Like, should we have a medical industry that allows this, this procedure to take place on a moral level? I always have to come back to yes. Yes, I do. I do want that. We do need that. Um, but you should challenge those beliefs. I agree. Um, here's something. The Democrats last night, there was some hubbub, all sorts of hubbub, but you know, a lot of people who are not doing well in the polls want to get their name out there and they want to take a shot at the front runners and that's fine. And one thing that, um, Cory Booker from New Jersey was saying was that we need to have a more of a conversation on the debate stage about, about the impeachment poverty. about the oh. well yeah that's true too child poverty he did say that didn't he he did say that but he also kind of was not as honest about it as i thought honestly mm. he cuz what he said if i remember correctly is like we've never had a person up on the stage talking about child poverty or something yeah. like that and it's like what are you talking about dude go watch any bernie like <laughs> let, yeah, watch sure. watch like so many tapes i could think of where people discuss you know child poverty and child uh like uh, pre k Mm-hmm. From pre-K education, that's They're directly all related to poverty. I mean, poverty. Warren said, um, "I'm the or me and Bernie are the only people up here wanting to tax the rich." And then someone immediately called her out and said, "No, we all want to do it. We just have different methods." So they're all probably kind Klobuchar. Of being, yeah, well, it is on the right well, side for us. she said a wealth tax. A wealth tax is is different from taxing the rich, and a wealth tax is something that my favorite candidate does not support. And so that's a big part of why I'm not sure that I support it either. Um, because he says, look at other developed countries around the world yeah, who have tried to implement it. What does it lead to? People storing their money offshore, people finding every way to evade the wealth tax, but still having the money. It's still their money in their family, in their whatever. It just takes it out of the, the ecosystem of, yeah. Oh, yeah, we where it to, should be flowing. We need where, to collectively be a world where you know there is no tax havens. You know why I'm so fucking non-binary politically, dude? Why? I'm non-politically... Because I, I am so... So social justice man, in my heart. I'm an idealist. But literally yesterday I was walking around the store and I was like, man, markets are so beautiful. <laughs> I was walking so around Walmart funny. and I was thinking about the fact that to get data now, like to get an SD card, a micro SD card, you can get 128 gigabytes, uh, you know, so for, cheap. for so store. cheap now compared to what it used to be. I mean, it used to be it's just not existing. And then it's like, yeah, if you break down the data per dollar or whatever, it's just like... But it's nuts. Yeah, I I remember buying 32 megabyte or 16 megabyte CF cards that were 
what look at a cf card next to a micro sd card it's probably almost 50 times the mass it's huge maybe more it's huge yeah so and i was just literally like man as much as you know certain consumer goods have become more difficult for the working class person to obtain regularly like man it's cool that the market is you know a lot of society where i can too. shoot 4k video for a week yeah. and never not even worry about data you know for 20 bucks it's yeah. like whoa that's nuts because that's here's where I'll give boomers credit. People kind of like to pit boomers versus millennials. There's a binary. I don't, are you technically I don't care a millennial? For. I'm not. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm you a millennial. Are? You're a zoomer probably. Yeah. I don't know what a zoomer is. Gen Z. Mm, kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a play on boomers. Baby. Mm, I boomers. thought we were iGen because we were like the first like iPhone generation to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's so many names. And there's no set exactly, dates. Or, exactly. Or whatever. Exactly. I'm just a person, man. Right. Well, the, what they say is journalism is the first draft of history. Oh, so, that's good. Right. Who so, said that? I don't know. Someone, I don't know. Look that it was up. freaking good, man. It's true because we report on things in current events, oh, but yeah. then 10, 20, 50,000 years later, we're going to have to look back and be like, did we really get it right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, you know, like Howard Zinn doesn't even call Dr. King and Malcolm X's movement the civil rights movement. He calls it the black revolt. You know, wow. historians can just name shit. That's yeah. part of why I love having I'm a historian in my heart, man. I like to come up with names for things. You know what um, we should do? You what? and I both. Because he lives here. We should try to get Dan Carlin to come on our shows. Who's Dan Carlin? Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is like the most oh. famous podcast in the world. Elon Musk follows him on Twitter. Like, and he lives in Eugene? He lives in Eugene. How nuts is that? Dude, here's the <laughs> thing. Mayor Venice isn't good in interviews. She's not she's not a very compelling interesting person and she doesn't particularly like to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And so like if I just get enough people to cover my campaign and I just bring a compelling rational set of thoughts to any kind of conversation, I'll win. Yeah. Like it's not hard to do. It's it's uh, you know, it's just being bold enough and having having the work ethic and putting yourself out there enough but that's what i'm going for so yeah maybe we can get in touch with dan carlin i was also even thinking of i mean um, he's so busy i'm sure but i'm sure we could like right. just crowdsource and just start a parade and i mean come on dude he he lives here he cares about I the community can almost guarantee you he doesn't like the mayor <laughs> nice i think just about anybody who has accomplished a lot in eugene they're not very happy with the mayor that we have because she has wasted I think days go by and she is wasting the opportunity to use that platform for Most the kind of good that it should. Are. It's nuts. Another person when you who shake things here? up, you don't get reelected, man. Yeah, Portland always elects people who kind of shake things up and they get a new mayor every four years. Has been doing well for them? I really don't know about Portland too much. You know, it depends on how you look at things, dude. Portland, you can't you you can't argue that Portland is doing poorly, really. I mean, Ooh. I mean, come on, look at how many people want to be there. Yeah. If you look at something as being good because people are interested in it, Portland is one of the Portland and Eugene are both doing well. Yeah. But that also has to do with the climate, and it has to do with a long-standing this day. Oh, exactly. Rainy ass fucking day. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, Wait, this climate politically or this climate like literal? So, climate? Well, actually, what I mean is the, like the climate refugees of the country are going to come to the to Lane County and Multnomah County and yeah. places in Oregon that are um, hap- like exciting places to be, but that ha- have no fear of like, uh, you know, being so arid or being flooded or tornadoes yeah. or that's what Todd Boyle is super against is a bunch of money getting poured into this community and then everyone like who's a genuine human being gets pushed out 
for business people. He is very deeply concerned about that, man. Todd Boyle has such is a deeply principled person. I can't wait for his show. Oh, right on, man. Right on. And I can't wait for him and I to sit down at some point and talk at length. Yeah. Because it's going to be interesting to see, like, okay, how am I going to win? How am I going to unseat Mayor of Venice? I need to talk to these people and say, hey, look, I want to communicate with you who I genuinely am. Mm -hmm. Then I want you to put your faith in me and I want you to help me win this election. And then we will win. Well, the hardest part but is here's how I, here's how I won't win. People. Here's how I won't win. How? Make every, uh, meet every request of activists. Oh, you yeah. You know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Todd yeah. Boyle is a great person. He's an activist and so am I. But there are so many activists and they don't agree with each other in no. Eugene. How could you? They nitpick on all sorts of things. They're generally on the left, but you have people on the right who are also activists. People are going to come at me wanting me to support certain things. One of them is 5G. And I straight up need to do a little more homework on that. The self because, stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do do, because, do more research. Well, I'd be I concerned. mean, the, a lot of activists are coming to every single city council meeting and talking about how it's a public health risk. Um, and there have been deaths of some animals and, and a couple of people that could be related and brain tumor stuff. And so... Yeah. Um, I need to just continue to be um, well-informed on that issue yeah. moving forward. And, you know, the good thing about right now is it's October 2019, and I'm not trying to sit in office in 2019 or 2020, but in 2021. Nice. Yeah, that's better. Because you, know? you said you are going to run in 2020. I'm like, you got like, to start ahead of time. Well, I am running in 2020. All I'm you saying are. is 2021 uh, is when I would become mayor. Oh, okay. You know? You're, oh, wait. So it's, it's, at, the end of, it's at the end of 2020. It's in January of 2021. Is it, but when's the, when does the election, like when do you get decided? There are two elections, oh, okay. one in May and one in November. Okay, the November you definitely have time for. May, that's going to be rough getting out there enough because people, they have the name recognition. Like a lot of people are just going to, you know. That's the beautiful thing is that I've been doing a lot of stuff that like isn't difficult for me to do, nice. but gets me out there. Um, on social media, especially, I see that all and the with time. like, yeah, behind the scenes stuff on film and music projects that I'm working on, I believe in the ability and this, the city council, the city council concert is what's going to hopefully give me everything I need to get my message all the way out there. Nice. And that we started off on Monday. Mm -hmm. I always say we because I have, I envision this campaign growing and being a bit bigger. But it's even you and I, same. like, I would say you're a part of this campaign. Like, yeah, I'd like to think I am. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I love it, man. Part of humanity, EUG news. Yeah, you know, and That'd so be cool. So and but it's totally like a Bernie oh, thing, honestly. Yeah, because yeah, he's the our president, right? Right. And Hillary Clinton was like, you know, I'm with her. Everybody was like, okay, let's be with Hillary now. It's like yeah. this is our moment. I'm gonna break the glass ceiling, yeah. effectively, and then it didn't quite prevail. And you know, Bernie was our revolution after that he even gave his platform his fundraising and organizing platform to a greater cause than himself once he lost in 2016 so horrible dude he's got to be the president him or yang i think or but tulsi would make the, the such a great first female president she is smart as fuck you know at this stage she probably could claw into, into contention win. she she has a half a million twitter followers compared to bernie has like three or something like yeah five. come on like yeah, and Yang probably has over a million he has now. Like under just under like nine hundred and ninety or something. Oh, really? I just checked last night. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder how big each of these people are. Right, right, right. And then you see it. You're like, how is someone with a six well, like Bernie can reach what I love six is times that, as many people? You know, this is just who gives a shit about the Eugene mayor, not even the current mayor. Uh, you know about <laughs> about the work being done in Eugene. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this, dude. Uh, fuck Twitter. 
Ooh, why? <laughs> you know? I've just been getting into it. I kind of like it. Well, okay. Um, cool to have a platform that just about anybody can use and get their ideas out there. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. But just about anything that gets to that size and scale, it's going to be uh, plagued with corruption and plagued with motives that I don't agree with. Right? Like a corporation of that size almost certainly is going to have this this kind of bottom line that it has to um, look out for a little bit more than it'll look out for people like Tiger Gruber and Thomas Huda. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I get concerned. And so all I'm saying is like, yeah, we've got Twitter that is the nicotine of the president. <laughs> yeah. Right. The president that's good. That's loves good, that app. Yeah. That app. You know, Facebook and Insta are fine, but Twitter is the one that... The, yeah. And, and, you know fuck twitter like that's my whole thing like like a lot of people believe that they should not even allow trump to have his account yeah um and there are so many constitutional ramifications of him getting to say things instantly in front of everybody it it bypassing uh, any kind of you know screening quality control covfefe you know do you remember that yeah covfefe yeah so Oh my gosh, him with the the apostrophe as a as a uh, as a dash or something like that. So many things that he've done he's done. Just recently, um it wasn't stable genius. The recent one was in my great and all-knowing wisdom or something like that. Uh, unbelievable. Oh yeah. my Not god. Not surprising. That's the funniest thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean presidents dark. have it's always dark. done dumb things. Like um, you know, I was listening to Trump today. T- today Trump was with the Italian president and having a pretty good diplomatic discussion. And, um, you know, he would never get much credit for that on mainstream media, mainstream corporate media. But um, another thing he was talking about a lot is bringing the troops home and not being in these endless wars and trying to, you know, he, his, his position was he, he felt like the, me- the military was depleted in its resources under Obama. I disagree. Um, there, there's so much that Obama did to ensure that the military had what it needed to be prepared to yeah. do its job. Trump's idea of what the military's job is probably different than Obama's and probably different than the average Democrat. Yeah. So, but anyway, he doesn't really want to see all this loss of life from sending more and more troops overseas in the middle, middle East. And, um, God, what's my point? With well, that? what's nuts is that's not the problem. More, more since all these, um, wars in the middle East, more uh, vets have killed themselves than have died in combat. Like, yeah, man. It's the whole concept yeah. of it rather than like, oh, yeah. people are dying going over there. It's, it's like, not nah. humanity, dude. War yeah. zones are a place we have allowed for humanity to... I mean, anywhere where the government can legally kill other people is just like, it's murky territory, man. Yeah, being being like morally an 18-year-old working at Chiba Hut and, and again, then someone lies to you and you can go kill someone legally but, now, but, that's weird. But let me bring it back, man. We all voluntarily are in this country providing for the government unless you pay no taxes and you're some kind of like anti-tax activist and you only produce and feed people and you totally remove yourself from the system that and you don't participate in it we all kind of have the gun yeah remember talking about how you know whether you have the gun in your hand yeah man we all we all are paying for that gun the mm-hmm. gun manufacturer that's one of the things that's really such a strain on the on the federal budget is the weapons manufacturers yeah. charge whatever they want to the American military. Bullshit. They're ripping off our soldiers, man. This is how the left could actually energize people if we wanted to 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 understand how to bring in the disenfranchised middle, right? Or the disenfranchised anybody mm-hmm. is like, dude, we can be pro our soldiers. 
by saying let's not let them get ripped off and let's not buy you know and let's hold the weapons manufacturers accountable and let's not buy as many weapons and let's not go into any as many foreign um you know intervention prob situations for these regime regime change wars that are not going to do anything long term to help those countries you know, know. so it's so, such a sticky situation though Right. I, mean, I can't even comment on it because yeah, it's like something like every dollar, sp- right. like every person we kill makes but five more. But then it's like, I would. It's a dark. I thing would just going say that what the there. left has done instead of fighting for the soldier, is is just make is just like clown on the soldier. You know, yeah, not respect, point. not appreciate, just some kind of uh, you know, dim witted, uh, you know, soldier with a gun, and it's like. You don't. You need to deeply understand. I was going to give credit to the boomers. Like they, like millennials, need to deeply understand how much fighting people have done for us to have the rights we enjoy. Yeah. And that is in military. That is in uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, like trans women of color activists in New York. Like these are there's so many people that have fought for us to have the rights we have and enjoy today. And that's something we need to see as being across the board. And in Eugene, we can absolutely bring people together, Tiger. I mean this shit. Yeah. I really mean it. I think you're missing the criticism. I think the criticism is most people are dumbasses and just because No, they're not. I, so no, they're good not. Good point. Good point. Yeah. No, nobody. A I would say of... nobody is a real dumbass. I would say there are some people who are a little bit cognitively differently abled or they experience the world differently. And then you got other people who are willfully ignorant. I meet people who are actively hostile if you question even a routine thing. And Man, then, hostility and towards you change, know, change and a willingness to learn and, and meet someone halfway. That's called being a dumbass. That's well, like, come on. I'm not, I, I am anti dumbassery, but I, but <laughs> I don't believe dumb. in dumbasses as much, you know, nice. it's like yeah, no, when, I, you, yeah. when you, when you, it's like, I, I had this argument with somebody who, who helped run Mitt Romney's campaign. Her name is Bay Buchanan. She came to Carlton college and she gave a speech and I questioned her because she kept on using the phrase illegals, illegals, illegals. And I said, I think when you use that phrase instead of undocumented immigrants or undocumented Americans or dreamers or any other phrase that actually has a little bit of indignity, a little bit of dignity and humanity embedded in it. (laughs) The phrase I used was your your use of the word illegals implies a criminality about their character. And dude, we are all, if there's anything that we are all, I would say we're all a little lonely in today's world. Yeah, We're all a little lonely and we're all... By, you know, my point was that a self-fulfilling prophecy is really powerful. So if you tell somebody, if I tell you, Tiger, you're a white man and I hate you and you're an illegal, whatever the fuck that means. I'm not talking about, you're a white man, I hate you and you're illegal. Oh man. You might not care today, but if you, if I, if I leave here and then you go on the computer and then five posts say, Tiger Gruber is a white man and he is, he's, he's an illegal and I hate him. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like, man, today sucks. And then, you know, what happens if that happens to you every single day? You know, and the media keeps telling you you're a white man and you're an illegal and you're and I hate you. Mm -hmm. Like everybody is just like has a little bit of insecurity. I obviously have some, but that's because everybody has some. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of insecurity about their place in the world. And uncertainty at the very least. Right. Even a person who I'm thinking of like the Christians I love in my life fellow Christians who I love that, that, you know, their faith and security is in God, but they then have to have these, these moments sometimes where they have doubt or they, their faith is tested. And so 
when you tell somebody that they're a dumbass or if you say that there are a lot of dumbasses or everybody's a dumbass, I just don't think you're feeding into their ability to believe they are smart. Nice. But none yeah. of them are in this no, room, yeah. hopefully. If you tell people what they are, right. they become that totally, right. especially younger people. That's exactly what we tried to do as edu- educators in New York City, you know, public schools. Like, you know, there's such, you know, the school I taught in used to be a goddamn uh, prison. Wow. I think. I think. It's no, nuts. sorry. I'm getting that mixed up with a couple of friends who, but in New York, like they, they didn't have windows on the classrooms though, though man. And it used to be so, a really crappy, like university building for the, for New York university, NYU. Yeah. So it wasn't a prison, but my friends taught in schools that used to be prisons. And it's like, man, like, you know, particularly young kids of color because your identity and, you know, humans process memory and identity a lot through what we see and so when you see yourself on the big screen and you watch black panther and you're a young kid of color you might really believe you could be a superhero and that's not something that happened for like ever Ever, birth of a nation is one of the greatest films ever and it's like the most racist piece of shit propaganda movies ever but it's one of the greatest films ever yeah you know i haven't seen it yeah that's one of those. Cool. I mean, then we could talk about. I can tell you want to go, but I was going to well, talk about. Well, I was just curious because I know you have, you asked about the time, <laughs> so I'm curious. Are you stressed on time? It's one twenty. Uh, no, nah, dude, not nah, really. Dude. I'm not stressed on time, but okay, um, cool. Is this all going to be one episode? Yeah, I'm just going to call it casual conversation. I'm, uh, so I just put out a casual conversation. I'm going to put out maybe Todd Boyle's episode like tomorrow or something. I'll put this one out like two days after. Maybe that. let's not do a casual conversation. I like it, but I but I I think it talks to Tiger to casual it? conversation. Um, it's not, our last one was debating core values. This one, we got into Islam a lot and we got into, um, politics. We didn't have a core. We didn't have a core. We didn't have a theme that definitely guided the conversation. I'll be back on to have another, like when you're like really grinding your, your thing. Right. But I I got to promo this towards the end. I have something to promo. Yeah. And I'm very excited. But if you want to keep talking about something else, I don't care at all, man. Go for it. Okay. Monthly cool events are morphing a little bit into from MCE to M A R E, mayor. Nice. So the, the, yeah. the mayor's mayors, and their monthly art release events. Oh, cool! Yeah. yeah. So what we're doing is we're gonna make sure that we release art of some kind in a significant way every month. And we, you know, we've got this slow, gradual start. Hip Hop Ramen Night was awesome, and yeah, I released a, a book, but the book was one piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. And it had 10 chapters, but it was one piece of paper. That's so uh, <laughs> because I just, you know, you got to start off humble. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, painting pizza and poetry in the park was kind of rained out. We only had four people, but, you know, we made a little bit of art and, you know, we fed some people food at, at both those events. And so monthly art release event is the fourth uh, Monday of October now. And the date escapes me. Can you look it up real quick on there? Yeah, I got you. Right. Um, Because the last one was what? Fourth Monday of October. That's the 28th. 28th, right. Because 14th was when I sang uh, Say It Ain't So at the city council. That's so um, funny. On the 28th. Here's what, this is exclusive info. I'm just going to tell everybody what the plan is right now, but I'm going to be super murky with it for the city council because nobody on the city council has listened to this whole podcast episode. Oh, they all do actually. sad reality. Sad reality. (laughs) They don't even listen to us for two minutes. This guy, Mike Clark, starts counting down the time until I'm done, like physically with his hand, counting down seconds until I'm done performing because he's an interesting fella. But 
uh, dude, it went over well, but I think it would it will continue to go over well for me to do some kind of protest musical performance at every city council meeting. Protest. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, bring just up to- an issue that I don't think they're addressing well and then play a song nice. every time. Yeah, do it. Um, but this next one is going to be um, an ode to Sup With You Girl, but it's going to be more like Sup With You Mayor. How long do you get? Two minutes? Three. You get three minutes? And I could just go up there and just rant for three minutes and they listen to me? I promise you, you should do that. Really? You should. I have a lot Promote to say. Promote your podcast and you have a lot to say. Exactly. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, when is oh, it? Oh, absolutely. When is it? Okay. Yeah, just the 28th. Just be there. Be there and support me because and support yourself just and clap, support Eugene. Clap for you. Right. Yeah. Yes. But but if I can find a couple people who want to dance, mm-hmm. I would love to have two backup dancers and maybe and two singers and have a little five person performance for the city council of the song Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Cool. Do you know that song? Return oh, I, yeah, it was yeah, just playing yeah. in the car. But uh, we're going to modify the lyrics just a tiny bit. It's kind of like what Sup What You Girl did. They made Return of the Quack mm, um, yeah, yeah. in, I think, 2011. Mm-hmm. So we're going to honor that moment in Eugene history, um, and we're going to do that song, and it's all going to be part of the city council is concert. There, is there limits? Could you just go up there and be like, all right, here's 20 reasons why I'm better than the current mayor, and just list them off? Or would they be like, no, you, you can't do something like that? Like, are there rules to this? Tiger. What? What's the first goddamn amendment to our constitution speech, say? Unless it's uh, Absolutely, doxing man. someone. That's the whole point. Is uh, Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm allowed to say whatever I want to the mayor. Nice. I said the fuck word. Wow. Yeah, the dude. fuck word. I did. I was the only person to say fuck in that whole meeting. Was Todd Boyle filming it? No. No, no. not those. Well, um, I mean, he doesn't need to because the city council distributes their meetings oh, cool, online. Cool, cool. Yeah, the video. I dig it. Yeah, man. So, yeah, the 28th. Please come check it out. Uh, I think last time was 7.30. Place? Uh, Lane County Government Building, 8th, 8th Avenue. Where Look the Women's March was held? No. I mean, yeah, it's right, it's right there. Yeah, Everything right there. is there. Okay, cool. Uh, Eugene doesn't Near have Whole a Foods. freaking... You know Eugene doesn't have a city hall, right? I have to keep telling people this. I have no idea. I've been tell- I'm, I'm thinking about this messaging. Eugene has no city council and no mayor. <laughs> just say we don't have did you know we don't have a mayor it's a provocative way to start a conversation That's so funny and it's there are so few people who are going to be able to tell me not only do we have a mayor jackass <laughs> but the mayor has done this and this and i yeah. like them That's nobody so, can fill in that sentence nobody i don't even know her name you've told them her my my her my we three don't need times. to say it. i don't even know we it. don't need to say That's it so funny. the song is going to be called watch mario and it's 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 my plea to her please we want a case study in good leadership to be our mayor, not yeah. a case study in terrible bungling leadership. Yeah. And so the fact you're running for re-election is ridiculous and absurd. Mm-hmm. But if I can't stop you from being re-elected, what I can at least do is make you be more responsive to Eugenians. Yeah. And I literally want her to watch Mario Cristobal. Do you know who he is? No idea. He's the head coach of the Oregon Duck football team. Okay. Mm, and I want her to actually watch the way that he leads a group of young college kids. Nice. And, you know, the entire staff and in many ways, the whole city, like in terms of what his what we entrust financially, like a lot more money comes into Eugene when the Ducks go to a good bowl game. Mm -hmm. A lot more money comes to the university, a lot more. And then we are an education town. You know, we are not a agricultural town necessarily. We are not a auto industry town we are an education town yeah and a nature town and 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 so many 
so many things about our society that could be improved here in here in uh, the best city in the best state in the greatest country in the only planet that has human life that we know about yeah I don't so know, man that's a lot that's a bill that's a bold statement it's a true statement though it is i have been a lot of a decent amount of places and they've all been pretty meh but well one of the biggest ways and let's end on this because i want to go back to race okay. you should just say something about race and diversity me no instead of casual conversations because casual conversation makes it sound like we didn't have a conversation about anything heavy mm. you know race diversity white privilege we could even have 20 Those minutes on that right now too many episodes yeah okay go, give it you know give it i okay. don't think white privilege not that i don't believe it exists i just don't think it's the the biggest factor in the world right now i think class privilege is bigger if if i'm homeless and you have money you're more privileged than me if you come from a wealthy family, live in a nice neighborhood, and I live uh, in a gutter, you're more privileged than me. My skin is not the, the the biggest factor of privilege, and more than more so than that, geographical location of where you're born is the primary. Everyone in Oregon is immensely more privileged than everyone born in uh, some you know some place in sub-Saharan Africa. No, not true. Ooh, you think everyone? You're an idiot if you think that. Not come everyone. on, okay, man. Okay, okay. I don't mean to call you an idiot. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, come I'm on. That's majority, a generalization. Yeah, big, as a generalization, dude. More go to Blue here. River and talk to the young people there who have nothing to do except for serious uh, benzos and you know, sh- you know. People, I would say everyone, we have a serious drug problem and a drug and a mental mental health crisis. Yeah. That you know. You know, but we have okay. Clean, if you're Sub-Saharan born here Africa, you're born in Chad. Sub-Saharan Africa yeah. is like way bigger than Texas. Yeah, it's like a huge. Oh my god, it's plot ginormous. Yeah. yeah, so it's like so. Geographical, yeah, but okay. So to break out, there of are that tons of privileged people, immensely privileged people in Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, I think it's leaders. On a different spectrum. Yeah, okay. People, I, I don't people, say privileged. I think they're smart. I think there's people doing incredible things. People in terms gathering of natural resources, Shell Oil. All sorts of companies are thriving out there, man. Yeah. People who were born there, even you, right Afrikaners now, in South Africa. Okay, you know? okay, okay. Let's take let's take this. You have the privilege to say whatever you want without really blowback. You can reach a bunch of people on Twitter. You can go to your town hall. You don't have to worry about getting violently attacked. You have clean water. If you were born Many in Chad, of those things are true. In, it would be okay. very. You'd be you'd be pretty. You'd be a lucky person there if you were born with those rights. In Chad, that's probably true. Chad is not uh, not in a good place. So neither geographical the, location is Sudan, a big thing is, about how privileged you are. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, mm-hmm. but you know, and Cameroon has oh, pretty, yeah. pretty pretty good. Cote d'Ivoire has some great exports. Mm-hmm. But okay, so beyond geographical location, Egypt I, is doing I think has, a, a has an amazing history legacy that the end of society. That's not I know, I know, I know, but but I guess yeah, Sub-Saharan is is yeah, Egypt is not in that. But you you know what I mean. Overall, you probably have it better off here than there on average. And I think before race comes into factor, I think gender also hits first in terms of privilege, and then I think race is yes. So you think being uh okay, you think that being like a black male yes probably give you more privilege than being a white female yes. I think it's tough out there for a whole host of reasons. Uh, primarily, how young women are treated, how how they're told what they can do in life, how they're going to succeed. Oh, you're not strong enough. You shouldn't be doing practicing pull-ups or push-ups or all these different things. Man, I just don't know how young that's women. Not, that application doesn't apply to young black men. And who's getting killed out of those? Well, you know, it's like... <sighs> I think it's definitely arguable. It's such an abstract conversation to have on a large scale. We yeah. need case studies. We need, we need, specifics, we need stats and blah, blah, blah. But I would 
I would tell you this. Um, I just, I disagree because, because here's one of the things I see in my own government. I'm bringing it back to the government because this is, you know, I'm an obsessive person. <laughs> I want to bring it back to race. I want to bring it back to government. Yeah, it's right. Ra- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. And that's race called, and government. that's, that's called, called making, com- yes, <laughs> race and government. I like that. Yeah. Making connections because let's look at all of the people that I could unseat and why they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, they're all white. So that they're not all, they're not all male. But they, but you know, my mayor is a fe- is a woman. My state representative is a woman. The state representative she works closely with is a woman. Our governor is a woman. Our secretary of state uh, is Bev Clarno is a woman. Our attorney general is uh, Ellen Rosenblum is you, a, is a woman. Where are you going with this? Whenever people start listing off things, people lose the 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 seed by the time they get to the fifth name. What's the point? What's they the also point? lose there's it women. when you interrupt get, me because my point I get is that women. Yes, and and but where are the black men? Ah, good point. I have, I do have a state senator, James Manning, who is a black man, but he's one of two black legislators out of ninety. But that's just no, one metric. Saying the metric of my privilege point is, well, as I bring race back into lo- local government, yeah, here's here's what essentially happened. If you look at the the history of politics in Oregon, from the seventies onward, is that Oregon was one of the more liberal of the very conservative places in the country in the eighties. You understand Ronald Reagan had had our entire country effectively in a conservative mindset yep. after Jimmy Carter was president from 77 to, to 81. And so Reagan comes in and then he is so popular that he gets reelected in 84. Uh, and then in 88, he is able to have his vice president become the president, which hasn't happened since then. We have never had a vice president be the president since then. Right. And my point is that, um, Oregon was a red state and it was considered very progressive for a white woman to gain power because, uh, and and we elected a lot of people, um, who were white women and, uh, we didn't elect any women of color. We certainly didn't elect any men of color in general, but we, but we, um, here's part of the reason that sex and that, uh, gender and sex versus race and ethnicity operate a little bit differently is that, you can have an entire culture that has no exposure to people of a given race. Good you cannot point. have that with sex, with sex, with, with, with sex. The, yeah. the, the two major biological yeah, sexes, yeah, yeah, male yeah. and female, you can't have that. Yeah. And so that's part of why everybody is a little more willing to understand, oh, women can also be leaders because mm-hmm. we see women being leaders in our homes every day. Um, and so in our homes. Wow. It's you- true. Bigot. I'm kidding. No, I agree. I entirely agree. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, I, yeah, it's I, won't, a, I won't walk that back. No, it's it, a point I made before right. as well. So now here's the problem. Nancy Nathanson is an abusive person, in my opinion. I've not talked to people. I've talked to one person who worked with her and just she is really nasty to people, human beings mm-hmm. uh, in closed behind closed doors yeah. because she has such a stronghold as a Democrat on her seat. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She doesn't represent the energy of the of the optimistic idealist democratic party now like she did when she was on the city council in the 80s she was the new fresh face then but she's so entrenched in her power she's not willing to give it up and she's not doing nearly enough for our people she a demagogue would you say i I don't know i would say that she's somebody who um just wants power who writes a like a june july uh email update uh and titles it 
August or something and sends it in September. She just she's just wow. not she's just not communicating about good legislative work, and she is not progressive enough for my taste. I'm excited to see what happens when you get into to into actual place of office and I hope to I see do. if you if you're like, dude, it is so much different. Like I am so bogged down. I'm hoping it's not. I hope you get to make a bunch of changes. Well, That's part, my goal. Well, part of why I'm trying to move from this public alone. I've been publicly alone in my campaign. Now I want to be publicly together a little more. I want to publicly alone. Like, no other people are running. No, on yeah, no one's really, well, no, no one's supporting my campaign directly. Me? Exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. You are like the only person Abs- I talk okay. to regularly about Thank more than you. Brian, more than Brandon, more than and I give my you a mom who is give you violent and doesn't support me. Right. Exactly. So, so you and my dad and my friend Kyron, who is at Painting and Pizza Poetry Night, like there are very few people that are really kind of riding with this shit. Um, and I want to move forward into that because um, I, I guess I kind of got derailed a little bit. My point was really about that um, in general, I think we have a lot of like very privileged white women who are good at protecting their communities. And that's something people should do. People should protect their communities. But when you're especially privileged, you have a special, you especially have resources to do that. And it can kind of trample other communities a little bit more. And, um, I, that we don't have as many, um, extremely privileged by the numbers. Yeah. I'm um, saying a couple black, extremely black privileged men. doesn't mean a lot though. You're like saying like, okay, well, Obama was the most privileged person in America. That doesn't mean anything else for the rest of black people. Like, black people in I, america i totally disagree that obama was ever the most privileged person in america maybe not you know what i mean like if you if you using your metric of paul being a political rank as privilege so saying a couple women like some women uh-huh. got a political rank as that means okay women are privileged i'm uh-huh. like but that doesn't help all the rest of the women and they're not they're the laws that they're passing aren't necessarily helping women like i i don't think taking the most privileged few of a group of people and saying see look how privileged that group of people is right. is an actual way of judging it okay so do you believe that education is closely tied to privilege? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Then there you go. Look at how white females are doing versus black males. Oh, good point. Okay. It's com- white females are some of the very best performing people besides Asian males and Asian females. Yeah. And then black males are sadly some of the most underperforming in our schools. And that is not because those people are deficient. It is because of an opportunity gap and it's because of an educational crisis in people like the fucking 4j school board dude i get pissed every time i think about them oh it's performative <laughs> it's a lie to say that they care about diversity oh, it's yeah. not borne out by evidence or results or facts so it's just really frustrating um and i could talk about that more if people think i just overgeneralized and called the 4j board racist uh they're a little bit racist that's a reality um Dude, we should talk about being called racist. Can I? End, can we end on that? Yeah. So, what time do you have to leave here? That's my biggest thing. What is, time is it now? Uh, one thirty-five. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're good for another twenty minutes. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. What is racist? <laughs> Dude. Okay. Here's. I. I was thinking about writing a book called. Start blogging. Just make a medium account. Just start blogging. Seriously. Write like a couple, like two hundred words, a thousand words. Well, I do write a lot, but it's post all, it. It's yeah. Post it's it to posted. medium. Right. Get the the SEO words of your name associated with all these key terms, and then link it back to your website. I like that. I like that idea a lot. So we're working on this. Hey, here's an idea I have before we get to the racist conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to help the everyday pe- the everyday person. I'm trying to help the disaffected, disenfranchised millennial and Zoomer and Gen Xer, particularly is who I'm trying to resonate with mm-hmm. in terms of my messaging, being on Instagram, blah, 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 word yeah. vomit, right? Yeah. But um, 
where was I going with that? I don't know. You're trying to help people. Yes. Oh, so I'm trying to build everyday people into like, hey, you can run for office. Nice. And you yeah. can be, you can win and you won't get laughed at nice. anymore. Yeah. You will be taken as someone who is a contender. Yeah. That's and, what I'm doing too. Right. You can write a book. You can just do right. it. You can make an album. Just do it. That's why we, no we get along. Yeah. We have dragon energy. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that term. Uh, yeah, I like it. That's good. I love that term. I love the J- Japanese and the Chinese Zodiac too, man. Dragons are beautiful. So go to Wajimaya in Beaverton. There's a giant dragon on the fucking ceiling and it's beautiful. Nice. So, man, I'm trying to bring everyday people into power. That's what all the best leaders are trying to do. And so I want to be kind of like them. I don't think I'm one of them yet, but We're Obama working. started out as a fucking community organizer. Nice. And, you know, I want people to be able to put, you know, their experience of having supported my campaign directly on their resume. Nice. Because think about all the people who could, who I could become close with or that I'm already close with who would be able to benefit from that and say, yeah, I was a social media, um, I was on the social media steering committee. Let's say steering committee is a good phrase in these corporate kind of worlds mm-hmm. and nonprofit worlds Yeah, for the successful Hero for Eugene mayor campaign, yeah. mayoral campaign. But one thing I'm interested in doing is like, okay, I, I, if I hire people, I want them to pay them a good wage, but I don't think I can do that because I don't have the donations. I don't have money myself. So maybe I try to pay people 17 or 18 bucks an hour. Or 15. 15 is good. 15 is good. 15 is probably good. 15 bucks an hour to come to my board of directors meetings. Mm. And a board of directors meeting is a two-hour workshop. And it could be five people, and in which case I pay five people 15 bucks. 30 bucks, two hours. You're right. right sorry. Yeah. 30 bucks, two hours. So 150, 150 bucks. 150 bucks. I drop and we try to have a two-hour work session. We take a photo at the end. We live stream some of it. You know, we make it very democratic. Mm-hmm. And then everybody can say I was on the board of directors cool. for, that mayor, for the mayoral campaign. Exactly. Like right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Maybe we could even have it like... <laughs> no, no, no. What? I was thinking of this. Well, you know... This is just getting too performative. It's not real at this point, but it's like, okay, if you really believe in my campaign, you'll donate. So it's like, okay, I pay you 30 bucks, but then you donate 25. So that's I really so only funny. pay you five, you know? So, yeah. but that's too, that's, that's just a, that's kind of dishonest at that point. Yeah. So, but you know, I would love to have a, you know, 60 person meeting of yeah. my board of directors and then no one would talk. That's too many people, two hours, 60 people. Like everyone literally could talk for five minutes with no breaks, you know, but dude, the best gatherings of human beings um, may have been horrible. They get larger and larger and larger and you find ways to still be intimate and cool. Like Like churches do this. Well, (laughs) teachers know how to do this. Well, you break people up into discussion groups. You have questions from to work on. You walk around, you float, you, you get people mingling, you include people who are not in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think we could have a 60 person meeting. That's actually not even daunting to me at all. I love the idea of that. That's cool. But where I would love to have part of it is the Broadway Metro. Mm. at the um, North Eugene High School 2012 Auditorium okay. in the Broadway Metro. And, um, you know, that's another thing I'm thinking of doing multimedia-wise to really get myself out there because um, one of the best things Mayor Venice is doing, you talked about name identification earlier for her. It's not an advantage as much as she and everybody thinks it is. Nice. Because you have to, you still have to have a decent record. Mm-hmm. And what I want is like, yo, if people learn more about who Lucy Venice is... 
they'll realize that we don't have our best mayor and we don't and we should have somebody who is going to be one of the best leaders in town being the mayor and I want to make the case that I have been and can continue to be that person. Nice. And so um you know I have this interesting idea it's like a talkumentary. Okay. Like um could be 60 to 90 minutes. Um but you know it's kind of a fucking TED talk man. Do it man. Um, but it's basically just me in that auditorium. We get a podium and we, I do a fucking PowerPoint for a half hour to, I'm sorry, for an hour to 90 minutes, but probably with some intermissions, you know, a break every half hour or something. But, um, you know, it's kind of professorial. We'll take questions and then it'll all be filmed very nicely. Not just like some crappy camera in the corner. Um, Sorry, I, might, I kind of sound like I'm taking a shot at Todd Boyle because he uses one camera, but he's his, one guy. His camera works actually really good. Like watching his videos, right. the quality is like, whoa, right. that's surprising. Maybe I can get Todd Boyle to help with this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But I'll get it somewhere. I'll get it everywhere that I can, and I'll get as many eyes on it as I can because it's immediately a documentary if I do a PowerPoint and it's 90 minutes. It's mm-hmm. a full-length documentary, yep. but it's just one shot or a couple camera angles would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a 60-person meeting on my board of directors, man. Nice. That's what it is. Do People it. lie about campaign kickoffs all the time. Lucy Venice had her campaign kickoff. Well, what does that mean? You're gonna have another event afterwards. It's gonna be the same shit. Yeah. And you know, you've already kicked off your, um, you've already kicked off your video, which is a just a like she's throwing the election, dude. Good. That's what you want, man. It, it's not though. I mean, like it is, but it's not. <laughs> it is. And on a if I want to benefit myself only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God she's doing a bad job as mayor. If I want to pick up a, a city that's being well run and make it better run and more efficient and better for everybody, but you already know that's not the case. So the worse she runs, but her I campaign, want her to get better. better. Okay, yeah. But I, you know, I legitimately yeah. want her to get better. And the way you campaign for re-election is just do a good fucking job and communicate nice, what you've yeah. done. Yeah. And she just can't do it, dude. I went to her campaign kickoff. She listed off her four biggest issues or whatever that she's been working on. She talked about social justice. She like went on a little mini rant for all all three of the previous ones. It was like um, climate change, uh, affordable housing, some other thing. And then she ended with social justice. Social justice is not one of my five pillar issues. You might know they're education, mental health, housing, climate, and art. Yep. But social justice, for me, it's just embedded in everything that I do, and it's not a specific issue that I highlight. But she could only name one accomplishment. She finally had a chat about her accomplishments, and I'm going to put this online because I filmed it. It was less than 10 minutes. Come on. I just feel like if you're the mayor, speak for 20 minutes. Like, she can't yeah. speak for more than 10 minutes. She's yeah. And she's reading it off of music stand. Oh, man, that's embarrassing. Dude. Just talk. I don't like when people just read the whole time. Oh, my gosh, dude. I just wish that she had the ability to go out there and be a leader. She mm-hmm. doesn't. Some people simply don't have it. Yeah. And so, so she was out there, and her only thing she can really point to for social justice is, like, the sanctuary city status of Eugene and like helping protect refugees or whatever or something, maybe something about ice riding off of Joel's work. (sighs) Oh, totally. But also dude, ice was doing straight up raids in your city. Mayor Venice ice was straight up raiding Eugenians in your city. And you couldn't take a tough enough stand about it. And then the city council could not take a tough enough stand against white supremacy. Quite. White supremacy. Oh, white supremacy. White nationalism is terrible, and that's you. But you can have a conversation about that. Yep. I actually, I would literally say that it's not going to be a great conversation, but you can have it. I don't even. Know. I'm not having a conversation with anyone about whether white supremacy is good or bad. 
no race is supreme to anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. It's just not the case. So, anyway. Oh, I didn't talk about being called a racist. Um, Someone called you a racist? No, I just want to say that I have serious thoughts about what it means to be called a racist and how people should respond to it. Mm. I had to chat with this guy, Kevin Cronin. Kevin Cronin is seen as this, like, fucking guru of... Poly- of guru is not really even a good word to use. It's just, like, he 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 believes in his ability to help run people's campaigns if they're Democrats mm-hmm. in Oregon or Lane County. And he's probably been involved with a lot of successful campaigns, so he thinks he's hot shit. But um, the way he approached me and talked about how I was delivering my message... Minutes after I gave a speech, like decrying the the white uh, white supremacist history of Oregon, like minutes after I did that, he wants to like tone police me, and I and I followed up with him in a kind message, and I said, you know, man, it was good, and I look forward to chatting with you more. Um, but you know, I do think that there was like, you know, I said it was very mildly racist how he how he um, told you how to t- act. Right. Yeah. I said that was very mildly racist, and he was immediately incredibly defensive. Actually, it took him a, two weeks. He didn't say uh-huh. anything for two weeks. Yeah. Nothing for two weeks, even though he told me to reach out on Messenger. Yeah. So I reached out on Messenger, polite message, kind message, inserted in the fact, almost objectively, you were a little, you were very mildly racist. He gets all defensive and says, "Oh, I guess you can't take criticism." And I, I can clearly see you're not worth my time. That's wow. what he said to me. Yeah, you're the one who can't take criticism, dumbass. I never even said I didn't want his help. All I said was, dude, that was a little very mildly racist. And he got so defensive and said there was nothing racist at all about it, but I'm learning every day. And I said, and he's like, good day. And I'm or like, good luck. And I was like, well, if you're really interested in learning, you wouldn't shut down the conversation and blah, blah, blah. And here's, and here's my entire point. People think being called racist is the worst thing in the world. It's not. Straight up, it's just not. It's certainly very bad to be racist. Yeah. But if you are called racist, if you have done something that is racist, you need to completely remove yourself from this stupid thinking that, you know, I'll never not be racist. Uh, I can't be a racist. I can't be associated with KKK yeah. and Hitler and yeah, yeah. ethnic cleansing. No, I'm not part of that. That's a team I'm not on. Ah, yeah. fuck you. I'm not racist. Ah, go in the other direction. Discredit the person calling me racist. Call them oversensitive. Call some them an people, angry black person. Call them admit, whatever. Some people call racism too soon, though. Too often. Yes, yeah, some people eat sandwiches too often. Some people drink yes. too much water. But because of that, and because <laughs> of the culture that is currently just can't, just ruining people's lives, just because of I, I mean, don't like call, tweeted, I don't like cancel culture. But here's the point I'm getting to. Really, if you tweet something ten years ago, I think and you're going like to like what I have to say. Okay, yeah, yeah, go for it. If I'm going to like it, give it. <laughs> right. Because we all participate in a system that still has all this t- is embedded deeply with racism. Yep. And so we all are Hold a little racist, at least. We are all a little racist. Yeah. So we need to be like, yo, when someone calls me racist, what they're saying is it's very similar to like, dude, you have something on your teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, man, like get that thing off of your teeth if you want to look good. Because right now you don't look good. I think saying That's it without, what it is. But saying it without the term racist being like, hey, are you sure you want to like... Be conscious of the way you're talking at me. Dude. It comes off this way rather than saying you're a racist. But, that, yeah. 
there's some times when when people of color do we signal in that way and then the word racist comes from the person being called racist more than anything else so i could say dude what you did seemed like a little insensitive to the latinx community mm-hmm. they'd say you're calling me a racist i'm not a racist but you know that's yeah. when they bring in the word racist i say racially insensitive i say offensive to people of color i say um you know not understanding or or owning your white privilege. These are things I would say. And people jump down my throat and they think I'm being aggressive. Yeah. I'm not being aggressive by telling you that you're being a little bit racist. Mm -hmm. It's more like, yo, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, yo, you know, there's other people around and we're not supposed to be racist out here. So don't be racist, man. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying do it privately. I'm saying just, yeah. dude, come on, man. You've got this thing on your teeth. But also you... don't do it publicly. That's no, going to no, 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 that the person's going to be defensive. If you do it publicly for sure. Right, right. Well, don't do it anywhere. And then if you're not doing it privately, you don't have to worry about it being in public. Sight. Oh, I mean, I thought you were saying call people out. Like I'm like saying, like if someone says oh. something racist, like tell them afterwards, like privately, man, I do. I've done it in rooms with people in them. <laughs> I have literally told people that they're being racist in group conversations with other people in the in the conversation and did they get more defensive or do they just like concede seems like they'd get more defensive and then it seems like it falls down to who's quicker and wittier is going to win that whatever that is there's something to be said about the fact that quickness and wittiness are kind of overprivileged in our dialogue about these kinds of things sure but i would say i'll just end it right where i see it because there's the privilege not overprivileged no yeah no no no, i mean they're overprivileged um they're a super useful tool Whoever has them tends to win. I literally mean that those forms of communication are more privileged than other forms of communication in our in our in our dialogue. You know, somebody who is Stephen Hawking might have all this intellect, but their form of communication is very underprivileged in our in our mm, society. Okay. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. That. Yeah. So you know, somebody could be really brilliant, but they can't. They don't speak as many syllables per minute as no, I do. Because what I do is I'm a rap god, and I some of them you assume I'm a human. What I got to do? You know, it's like yeah. I get in there, and so. Um, you're right. Ben Shapiro does that too, and mm. it's like it sometimes is like more easily equated with that person's intelligent but really that could be like that person is just like good at having a stream of consciousness out loud (laughs) yeah or even rehearsed all right well it's uh 150 you got to head out soon i want to get a picture of you with all your garb oh yeah 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 well there's a lot of stainage so you're good you're good to crop yeah all right i'll catch you later bro thanks